You're listening to Clock Radio Speakers with Armand and Doc. And now, Side B. All right, so welcome to Side B of this week's Clock Radio Speakers. Um, I'm here as always with, with Armand Goss, a.k.a. Armand Wake Up, a.k.a. Are you put the government on that joint? <laughs> hey, fam. I, do I need to edit that out? You put the government on a joint, <laughs> Hey. Oh. Now the now now the good people are gonna hunt you down. They are gonna hunt me down because you know they couldn't find that before. They couldn't <laughs> at all. So inside A, we talked. We had a, a wide ranging conversation. I, I apparently I rate made our mind irate by by claiming that Good Kid, Mad City might be better than Reasonable Doubt. Yeah. But we also talked about Nicki Minaj's first week sales, Josh Smith, Bobby Shmurda, Kendrick Lamar, a whole smorgasbord of. Of pop culture, um, I really should title it that, but um, smorgasbord of pop culture. Um, but there's some there's some other things that have been going on in the world that we wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. So we had been, you and I had been, at least I know I had been meeting to talk on this show about uh, Eric Garner's. I'm saying it's a murder, but we can say Eric Garner's homicide, and then the investigation, and then the refusal to indict, the ensuing protests, not just in New York but across the country. And sort of how that, you know, what what we thought about that. And then as though it was just like an, a, a big flashing red sign to me that, yeah, we really need to talk about this. Um, this past weekend, two two cops were murdered. Yep. And uh, the murderer, well, first he, you know, he uh, he killed his girlfriend, a veteran who has... No, he didn't kill her. I thought he just shot her. I think she's still alive, right? Is she alive? Yeah, I think she's still alive. You know, it'd be helpful if I actually knew what I was talking about. Um, Look at I'm prepared. <laughs> and it's funny because I'm sitting here looking at like... A thousand words worth of notes on this. Um, <laughs> I'm only half joking. Um, you know, shoots uh, shoots his girlfriend in Baltimore. Yeah. Drives up to New York. Yeah. Uh, shoots two police officers. Yeah. Um, and then the rhetoric just went out of control from there. Oh, my God. Um, so I, I want to talk about that, but I, I really want to talk a little bit about the Eric Garner case, the refusal to indict. And sort of like my like sort of nerd perspective on this because I've really spent a lot of time probably the past I guess this has been eighteen months like twelve to eighteen months like I've really been interested in trying to figure out how we as a how we as a society got to this point yeah with 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 a lot of things so I you know I read just my my the list of books on my Kindle is really just the most depressing list of stuff ever um, but it's really informative and I really appreciate it and so you know I actually just happened to be reading a book by. Uh, uh, I think it's I think pronounce his name it's Matt Tabby, T A I B B I. He's a former writing for for Rolling Stone. He has a really great book out right now called The Divide, and it uh, it looks at the huge differences between how rich people are treated by the criminal justice system compared to poor people. Mm. And one of the things he talks about is what is referred to as the broken windows policy in New York City. Are you familiar with that? No. All right. So it's a nickname given to a broad group of policies and decisions. And it's spread beyond New York City, but it, New York City is where it really got famous in the 90s, and it's back again. Um, and it stems from a 1982 paper that theorized that if you have a building with broken windows, it invites vandals to break even more windows, right? And then pretty soon, uh, people will want to squat there, they might start stealing from it, and then it just sort of deteriorates from there. So how this applies to, to police work is the idea is that if you want to stop crime from occurring you need to focus on the quote-unquote broken windows, the small problems. You fix problems when they're small, and you reduce the probability that they become bigger problems. So this was a theory um, that started really in the 80s, and when Giuliani got elected, and when Bratton, who's the current NYC police commissioner, when he arrived in 1993, they really applied this. So there are these targeted neighborhoods that New York has, where they sort of identify, here's a place where a lot of crime occurs. So... The broken windows theory, basically, there's tons of what you would call ticky-tack infractions, right? Just ridiculous stuff that you would never imagine. And and the, and the the book, The Divide, he really details a lot of this. And it's really, like, it's ridiculous. Like, imagine being written up for riding your bike on the sidewalk because you are crowding it. There are 25,000 citations for that given out every single year in New York City. Wow. I've been in New York. I've... Now, like, I'll be totally honest, like most of the time when I go to New York, I'm going to Manhattan or honestly, the past two times I've been in New York, I was in Williamsburg. I'm not typically spending too much time in targeted neighborhoods, right? And I, so I can tell you in the non-targeted neighborhood world of New York City, the idea of 
like a crowded sidewalk being a reason to write someone up. Like if they were in Manhattan, they'd just be writing people up nonstop. If they were in Times Square, what would they do? Just write everybody up? Like that doesn't even make any sense, right? So, I mean, we're talking neighborhoods that are primarily poor and neighborhoods that are primarily uh, made up of people of color. So we're using a ton of police effort on these nitpick infractions. Um, And so parallel to this, Bratton, the NYC police commissioner, implements something called CompStat, which attempts to keep track of everything, not just crime, but like they really, the whole idea was kind of, oh, if we like write these people up and sort of get them in the system and we sort of learn more about them, it was, it's a predecessor to this buzzword now called big data, right? The idea that, oh, if we just feed everything in this computer, we're going to learn more and more and more. So they're picking all these people up, getting them in the system, essentially harassing them, but it's really just more data for the CompStat system. And then at the same time, there was a completely unrelated ruling that dropped the base salary for New York City police. It was a court case. So this, of course, makes them want to put in more work to get overtime. So you've got this, you know, you've got a theory that says in order to stop big crimes from happening, you've got to aggressively clean up small crimes. You've got a computer tracking system that drives a numbers-based approach to policing, quantity over quality. And then you've got a police force that is desperate for overtime. And the money that comes along with it. So this is not a good combination of stuff, right? Um, so all the ingredients are there in the Eric Garner case. Garner, you know, he's tired of being harassed by the police. And I want to get, I wanted to explain the broken windows theory so people understand what that meant. It didn't mean, it didn't mean necessarily that he's somebody who was always in trouble or anything like that. He was a black man in a neighborhood that was targeted. So his his life, his existence, was marked by almost certainly dozens of small interactions with the police. This is this this appears to be look people who are listening to this if you live in New York, if if I'm wrong like please like reach out to me but from everything that I've read and everything that I've that that I've heard about this, if you're in a targeted neighborhood, if you're basically essentially if you're especially a man, but if you're a person of color, you are going to get harassed by the police all the time. So regardless of if he should have been selling individual cigarettes or anything like that, that was really like it truly was the straw that broke the camel's back. It's a police force that essentially there's the system now in place where they are harassing an entire portion of the population. So Garner's tired of being harassed by the police. The police are essentially, I don't say it's they're incur they are systematically encouraged to do, to do the harassing. Their superiors want numbers. If they if they do numbers, then they're going to have. You know, their career will work, but it will go better. They'll have more money because of overtime, all that stuff. And so there's going to be this tension. And this doesn't even discount all the other like systematic problems that we have with police dealing with people of color in this country, right? Where you have a primarily heavily white um, police force interacting with people day to day who largely are not white. So you have that problem. And in terms of why they actually choked him, right? Overzealous policing, insensitivity, insensitivity, maybe outright racism. I, I don't really have answers to that. And I don't know if anybody does. And I think it's too simplistic to look at this and go, oh, well, in Ferguson, it was a racist cop. And with Eric Garner, it was a racist cop. I, I don't think this is just about about police. I think this is a messed up system that we have. And then as this sounds awful, but I think at that point, the players just played their role. So that's sort of like when I look at the Eric, like after reading all the stuff that I've read, I'm trying to educate myself as much as possible because I find this really fascinating is the wrong word to use. It is like it's important for me to know this stuff. Like I want to know. So I, I, when I look at the Garner case, like I see this and I don't know when when you saw the Garner, like I'm, I'm approaching this because look, I'll be honest, I'm a white, like I'm a white male, right? I'm a essentially I'm a very privileged guy. Like I have a really nice job. I got a house in the suburbs. Like I got a wife, like my life is great, right? I'm not trying to like brag. I'm saying like comparatively, like my life is great. So like when I look at this, I that is I have this very like academic sort of perspective on this. Mm-hmm. When you first heard about Eric Garner being choked out. And then when you saw, when you saw that just like in Ferguson, they were refusing to, uh, to indict the police officer involved. What were your thoughts? I knew once, uh, they didn't indict, uh, Darren Wilson, that the same thing was going to happen with Eric Garner. Why do you so, say that? You know, they should be, they really should be completely separate, right? They should be completely separate. They should. Okay. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's just me being, um, I guess callous isn't the good word for it. If it's Cynical? me, Cynical. There we go. That's just me being cynical and just saying, well, they're not going to do it here. They're not going to do it here either. Um, 
But I just I just knew it wasn't going to happen. I just knew that if the evidence that they had in the Mike Brown instance was more than enough to at least at least present an indictment, at least like you got to put him in jail, just take him to court at least. Um, then I knew it wasn't going to happen with Eric Garner. So again, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't surprised. I was um, I wasn't shocked. I was just kind of like I wasn't as frustrated because I think a lot of my frustration was was really um, heavy with the Mike Brown thing. So by the time I got to Eric Garner, it was like, okay, there's 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 something greater here um, than just um, you know protecting the protecting the police force and um, things like that. It was just I'm just I'm not I'm not sure what it's about yet. Maybe we can get to that by the end of this episode. But I wasn't surprised. <clears throat> At all. In the aftermath of, of Mike Brown's, I'll just say murder, and the protests in Ferguson, there was a, a lot of people, there were a lot of people calling for cameras on every cop, body cameras. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the Garner case, we have video. We have video. And the person who took the video was arrested, right? Right. So to me, you know, it's funny. Because I would say that the type of protest, that the reaction that we saw after Ferguson and the reaction that we saw after, I say Ferguson like it's a hashtag, the reaction that we saw after, you know, Darren Wilson w- was not indicted versus the reaction we saw after the, the cop in Eric Garner's case wasn't indicted. It's kind of weird. It's almost unusual to me how they differ because in the, and maybe it's because we actually could see what happened in the Garner case, mm-hmm. whereas well, when Mike Brown was was killed, there's a lot of I think people on who who want to see the situation in, in whatever way they want to. I think you can project your own belief system on it for right or wrong. I think if you have this image of this sort of thuggish African American who's chasing down this police officer and he's just defending himself in the line of duty, there's no video. There's nothing to. There, there's no hard. I want to say hard evidence. There's no overwhelming evidence to, to say that that's an impossibility. It's certainly an improbability. And that's, I think, part of why a lot of people were, were so out, outraged at what happened. But the fact that they had to talk to these people, there was nothing as immediate as video, right? Yeah. So uh, it's, it's a new, to me, it's a little, it's kind of unusual to me that, you know, in the one hand, we knew so, we really knew so little about what happened in Ferguson, aside from the physical evidence, right? We didn't have that sort of, oh, here's exactly what happened. Whereas it seems pretty obvious what happened with Eric Garner. Yep. He was selling cigarettes one at a time, which is illegal. Yep. Uh, the cops approached him. He, yep. he didn't, he, his big, you know, I can't say a big mistake like it's his fault. I'm being sarcastic. I hope that comes through. His biggest mistake is that he didn't immediately bow essentially to the police. And I want to talk about that later on. But, and you just see it. I mean, they, they attempt to restrain him and then they choke him. Um, so when you hear about people asking for camera, body cameras on cops, do you think that, do you think that that would actually help at all? Do you think that no, it's, no, is it better than nothing? No, no, no. I mean, because that that sort of idea, like people, are, I mean, obviously we live in a culture that is full of video cameras. We all have video cameras in our pocket, right? Um, HD 1080p 4K video, <laughs> clear as day video cameras in our pocket. Um, so I think that, you know, if if I'm going to rob you, I'm not necessarily going to consider the fact that people are going to pull their phones out. And, and videotape me and I end up on Worldstar, YouTube or Vine or Instagram 20 seconds after the crime is committed. Um, so I, I think that cops, and I don't want to say cops because I, I don't want to turn this into a, a bash the police thing because th- that's not what this is about at all. But I don't know if this is going to stop people from doing what they want to do. If they feel like they can do it and possibly get away with it, they're going to do it. So I don't think I don't think the the body cameras were, you know, an answer. It's not it doesn't help with accountability. You know, that that's a that's a huge issue here, too. Like we don't realize like a, a huge way to mend a lot of this is to just accept the fact that the, the system that we have all created and been a part of and benefited or been a slave to is insanely broken. But we won't do that because we're America. So what's a camera going to do if if I shoot you in the face and it's on camera, I can still <laughs> I can still plead not guilty. That wasn't me. You know what I'm saying? Like, so what's a, what's the camera going to do? We've seen that for years. If I'm going to fight you, if I'm going to beat you up, if it's going to be on World Star and I'm going to like bash your head into uh, like a metal pole or something like that, I'm still do it. So I mm, nah, I don't think that's I don't think that's 
that's not that's not enough that's not enough right i think they are both a good idea and not the answer yeah um any you know any situation where you can eliminate the sort of ambiguity that these that any sort of interaction that any sort of real serious conflict with with a police officer will create like i think anything that can eliminate some of the ambiguity is good but you know, there is no magic. There is no magic answer. There is no silver bullet. There is no. No, this not like this isn't a band aid issue. Like, oh, you know what we could do? Let's put let's put cameras on the cops. Band aid. No, <laughs> no, it's not gonna. It's like no, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. We are America is way too prideful. We are way too. We are well too. Uh, way too self aware. Because if America, if America says, you know what, our system that we have tried to institute in so many other countries who we believe were worse off than us, our system is broken, that's going to set off a whole chain of events that we are not willing and ready to uh, be responsible for at all. So no, we're not going to do that. So it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Right. I think that one, there's a huge portion of our population who they really have a hard time hearing anything other than USA, USA, USA. Absolutely. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> Absolutely. Wave um, old glory. Like, nah, fam. Like, it's messed up right now. Right. And so there are a lot of people who are critical of, the like, sort of the these core American, like, beliefs. Right. Then they just can't handle that. Like, Absolutely. we're not, there's a lot of people who they really just can't even process this concept that maybe America's not perfect. <sighs> I came to that realization when I lived in Japan for two years mm, because I, I was never, I had never left the country. Okay. And to be on the other side of the globe, I was always told and taught that America was the land of opportunity, land of the free, home of the brave, all this stuff. You can be what you want to be, do what you want to do, and you can be successful. Then I went to Japan and they got their stuff together. They may not be, they may not have the same quote unquote freedoms that we have, but the structure that they have in place is very impressive. Their kids, so they're, so starting from the bottom, their schools are better. So the kids are testing higher. Um, school is uh, a higher priority. Even the infant, even just the people with their manners um, and the way that they treat each other, the way the businesses are run, the quality of food, um, their, their, um, their social landscape. Um, their, um, their television, their news, their entertainment, like it was just different and not to say that it was better than America, but I don't know if people who say America is the greatest country in the world have been to other countries. There are other countries who are just as well off, different, or possibly even better than America. And they're not rubbing it in anybody else's face. I don't hear, I don't see Japanese people coming over to America saying Japan is better than you other than like wrestlers, like Mr. Fuji was probably the only guy who did that. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't right. see you'll see Iran coming saying Iran is better than America. They're not in they're not every time you see an Iranian person, whether you work with them, they're in a they're in a store, whatever, whatever, they're not waving the Iranian flag like while they're buying groceries with with the iron chic boots, with the with the with the uh the the point at the toe saying USA Haktui. Like no. Wrestle, wrestling is so racist. Super racist. All of my racism that's been embedded in my life has come from re- from wrestling and working retail. Primarily wrestling. Super racist. All the black people are either like black church, um, shucking and jive dancing coons or they're slaves or something. Militant. Or, or militant or, you know, all, all, um, me- all people from Mexico, they're... They're laborers and they smell and they're dirty and all Asian people are smart and yeah oh absolutely wrestling all all people from the south are rednecks it's all across the board and I'm five years old ingesting all of this stuff right and believing it you know what I'm saying so nah man so if cameras aren't the answer and so I let me ask you this so well, let, let, real quick let's 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 keep let's keep the timeline going so to me the one of the big differences is while the reaction to Ferguson, I feel like, was truly like a fire. Like it, it was, it was hot and it was immediate, but then it kind of burned out a little bit. Whereas what we've seen in the in the aftermath of the Eric Garner case is protests not just in New York but nationwide mm-hmm. on a level that I'll admit have sort of surprised me. 
I mean, God, they shut down the Mall of America yesterday. Right. Did you see the message that the Mall of America people put on their big jumbotrons? I did not. It was out of like some dystopian science fiction novel. It was like, this is not an approved demonstration. You will be... It was just... It felt like something that you would see on like... Yeah, like straight up 1984. Like something that would have been like displayed in in a bad 80s action movie. Hmm. Yeah. It... It was crazy. Um, Interesting. <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm pretty surprised at the fact that the protests, first of all, have continued because you know it's really easy to sort of think that our country has just slipped into apathy, right? I, I'm surprised that they've continued, and I'm I have to admit I'm very pleasantly surprised that they've spread beyond New York. Um, yeah, I'm be- I'm definitely surprised, shocked. Um, encouraged you know like it was this this was this was this was great um there was even some stuff here in columbus i was like five minutes late because i was actually going to go to one um they had at the uh not the district attorney's office i can't think of who it was but all over people are and this is what i've always said this kind of parallels into music you don't have to have a record deal in order to make you know significant uh progress in, in your career, the, the, the traditional make a demo, sign a deal, get on the radio approach isn't, you know, it's not the only way in 2014, now 2015. Um, just like if you are, if Eric Garner happens in New York and Mike Brown happens in St. Louis, um, Doc, you're in Connecticut, I'm in Ohio, like we can still be, we can still respond to that where we are. We don't have to go to um to new york or to st louis to to do something that matters to respond um you know i've got family in st louis and people were asking me am i going to go to st louis am i going to go and initially i was but the more i thought about it i'm like well i lay my head in in columbus ohio right now so you know a greater concern is what can we because really if we're if we're here we can be proactive because it hasn't happened in connecticut and it hasn't happened in ohio yet but it could, you well, know what I'm saying? When you say it hasn't happened, what do you mean? Um, I would say... Because yeah. to me... You, uh, right. Okay, well, right. Now, now I understand why you're saying that. Because it's not that it hasn't happened before. It's that it hasn't been put on such a large scale like it has with these two instances. Right, it hasn't been put on blast. Yeah, I, it hasn't been put on blast. You're absolutely right. Um, I think to me, that's the lesson of all of this is that... It's pretty obvious that there are a large number of people who see what what has happened in in Ferguson and in Staten Island, New York, and it didn't. They didn't. They didn't need a whole lot of convincing to to recognize the same ingredients around them, right? I mean, and that's why this is such a this is so big. It's because it's not about like you know I I spent five minutes earlier talking about the broken window style of policing, and I think that's a real problem. And there are definitely cities that should, the cities that have adopted it should absolutely stop it. Aside from the fact that it's, it's art, you know, aside from the fact that it's not helping. Um, actually, you know, New York got a lot of credit. And the reason why this is still sort of prevalent is so New York got a lot of credit because it's crime dropped in the 90s. Um, so people were like, oh, well, the broken window style must work. Crime dropped everywhere in the 90s. In fact, violent crimes over overwhelmingly are just lower than they were. Like people don't really talk about that, but. If you're in a major city, it is almost certainly astonishingly safer than it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But you know, but we certainly don't. I mean, look at look at look at the police's response in Ferguson. If your cities are safer, why do you have a tank? Like, <laughs> you know, um, right. it, much like there's a military industrialization complex. Like, there's you know, the police have a they they there's self preservation there. You know, oh well terrorism or oh well this or oh well that and it's like nah you know maybe we don't need that um and yes it's you know it's tempting to look at ferguson and go well you know st louis has a history of uh, of of race problems well you could you could say that about every major city in this country right absolutely and it's tempting to look at new york and go oh well you know that's over aggressive policing well you know what the problem is is that that over aggressive policing has spread because when Bratton first left, because he actually came back recently, when Bratton, the NYC police commissioner, when he first left, he was a consultant for hire. He was he went all over the place and he spread the gospel of broken windows policing. Because it it people really people don't want to talk about answers to problems that are like actually like a complex 
well, this kind of happened, but this happened too. And we don't really know. Like, it's really much like the flip of of the body cameras. It's so seductive to, 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 to hear, oh, well, we did this. And therefore, I can draw this direct line and this happened. That happens so infrequently. Right. And to, to you know... To sit there and go, oh, well, you know, major crime dropped in New York because this, this, and this. That, it's something that people want to hear, but it doesn't mean that it's true. So let me ask you this. So, because the reason I wanted to talk about this sort of at the, you know, it's a good time to talk about it now. First of all, it's always a good time to talk about it. But this has been a year of turmoil. Yes, it has. So let me ask you, what what do you think happens now? Or, if, um, you know what, if you don't want to answer that, if you don't want if you don't want to try to predict the future, I could ask you, what do you think should happen? Man, I... I think that now we I think now we have we begin to have conversations, hard conversations that our country has ignored, you know. Oh, we're not racist. Yes, you are. Oh, class doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Um, you know, oh, um, we look at men and women the same. No, you don't. Oh, we look at uh religions differently. Y- yes, you do. You know what I'm saying? Or we look no you don't. Like <laughs> All these hard conversations that because we think this way, you have people who look down on other races just at at young ages. I have family members who are young and who are just like they've either got skin issues where, you know, they're lighter and they feel some type of way about um, darker skin people, vice versa. You've got people who, you know, well, I got these Jordans and you don't. So I'm better than you. You have this. You have people who say, well, I serve this God. And because I serve this God, the fact that you serve this God um, makes me better than you. Um, you have. And, and all of those mentalities have caused a lot of divide and a lot of hurt that has like shot down through generations. This is not we're not the first ones to go through this, Doc, like. I'm no. sure our great, 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 great grandparents were dealing with similar issues that may or may not be talked about in history, but we're, we're experiencing the, the, uh, the tremors of it now, um, if not worse than tremors. So I think if we are willing to, first off, we need to do, I don't, even, I don't even know if destroying and rebuilding is possible. I don't even know if destroying and rebuilding is possible. I think one is that people need to realize the power that is in the people like there's so much power in community and in the community, so much power. It just even examples. We're looking at D'Angelo. That was that's an example of community power. Hey, D'Angelo's coming out with album. Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really? Before you knew it, 100,000 people are buying his album and millions of people are talking about it. He's not on TV. He doesn't have a video out. He doesn't have a song on the radio. He's not on late. He's not anywhere. I don't even, I've, other than that Red Bull Music Academy interview that I, I saw, I haven't listened to it yet. I don't know if I've seen D'Angelo out. I know if my album is out, like I'm everywhere. I'm trying to be everywhere, shaking hands, kissing babies, telling people about my album. But he didn't have to. The community did it for him. That's power. Even with um, uh, Mike Brown or even with Trayvon Martin, like I don't know if people remember, but they were trying to, I won't say they, cause the, cause I don't believe in, I don't believe that you can be distracted. I keep hearing that word too. We're like, oh, they're trying to distract us from this and that. Listen, we live in the information age. If you want to be distracted by something, if you're distracted by something, it's because you want it to be. There, there's way too much, uh, way too many resources. You don't have to go to CNN and MSNBC for your, for your news and for your information. You can go anywhere. So miss me with that, that information stuff or that would miss me with that. Uh, distracted stuff, but I forgot the point I was making. I knew that was gonna happen. What did I say? What was the last thing I said before that? <laughs> now I gotta okay, cut there's this so out. much power in community. There's so much. I think I said there's so much power in community. That's right. Um, yeah. So we need to translate that into other areas. You know, I've, I know Columbus here. We had a um, there was like a Black Friday shutout where people didn't people only bought local. Um, they didn't buy any 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 company or they didn't buy any stuff. I mean, shoot, look at what happened with the interview. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. I mean, that's nuts. But regardless of how they went about it, regardless of who did it, it was the fact that there was a group of people, whatever it is, whatever it is, because it, it could be a totally different story. We have no idea if it has government implications, no idea. But a group of people on the surface, it looks like a group of people got upset about this movie did some things, and as a result, now they're releasing it for free on Crackle or whatever. That what's Crackle, Doc? Are, have they announced? Are they going to do that? That's what I heard. 
But then again, I saw I saw a retweet from the post, so I don't know how how valid that is. Crackle is a Sony owned streaming service, much like uh, Netflix or Hulu. Okay, so that I heard that I saw that I saw that tweet this morning that they're going to release it for free on Crackle. Right. Uh, I, I wondered why they weren't doing that. Um, it's funny, like when <laughs> when this first happened, they were like, "Well, you know." We'd love to release it, you know, to one of the streaming services, but, you know, nobody's reached out to us yet or anything like that. And I, when I heard that, I was like, did you forget that you own a streaming service? Like, right. or better yet, how many people have PlayStations? Why don't you just announce, all right, for the, uh, for the first week, we're going to have it up in the PlayStation store for $9.99. Nah, fam. Make a bunch of money. I don't want to, I own a PlayStation <laughs> and I don't want any sort of virus hitting my PlayStation. It's not, that's not going to happen. I don't care. I don't, <laughs> that's not how it I don't works. know how viruses work, it's not. but I don't even want that to be an option. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, nah, like that's power. That's power. And it rests in all of us and it rests in all of us more so when we get together and we focus on the right things. It's not, we can get together and all of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're all unique. We all have different proclivities and, 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 and talents and gifts and, and pet peeves and all this stuff. But if we come together for a certain set of ideas, okay, we believe this, we believe this, we believe this, we push all, all of our differences to the side and we focus on those three things and we effectively um, reach locally, like we're not gonna we're not gonna be able to march up to the White House and get a meeting with Obama. It's just not gonna happen. But I know I know here in Columbus, my 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 mayor is super accessible. Our our um see I don't even know how all that stuff works. Like um like our is was like city reps. How does that go? It, it honestly every city's different. Okay. Well, I mean, like whoever I'm sure like anybody in in my city government. Not anybody, but a good chunk of them are out. They're accessible. They're tangible. I can reach them. I can talk to them. I can go to an event that they're at and I can walk up to them and say, hey, my name's Armand, X, Y, Z, and talk to them. Um, start start there. Start start there and just spread, as you said, and I believe it was in the other episode, but spread like a fire. Because if we th- we can't throw rocks at the throne, we can't throw, the ro- we can't throw a rock at the moon, but... You know, we can throw a rock in in a puddle and it's going to make a ripple effect and it's going to spread and it's going to get bigger. I think that's what I think that's what we need to focus on. What are the problems? Let's have these hard conversations out of these hard conversations. What solutions can we um, can we come up with now that we've got these solutions in place? What can we do to see those those solutions come to fruition? I don't disagree, but I'm, I'm actually really curious. I, I don't know if I've heard sort of a, a compelling list of of possible solutions yet. Me neither, because we're so that and that's my problem with the protesting is that we're so black lives matter, all lives matter, police, da, 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 like, okay, we got it. We get it. We get it. We got it. That's great. That's wonderful. Let's go to step two now. Well, no, I I would say that that's I mean, this is really like just the small step of it. I'll tell you one thing that's actually a little distressing is look at how much effort is being applied to the goal of ostensibly getting of, I mean, if I had to sum it up, what it would be the goal of having uh, police officers not kill black people when they shouldn't. I mean, really is what we're talking about right now. Wh- how does that translate into actual policy? Who the heck knows? But look at just, you know, wh- what is a seemingly, but ben- I don't say benign. What is a seemingly universally accepted thing that we should want, right? Don't kill people who, I mean, we shouldn't be killing people anyway, but if you're a cop, you should only be using force when you're truly threatened, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're talking about. But even that, like, you know, did did you hear like what the head of the police union said after the after the two cops were, were oh, shot at God. in New York? Yes, he said that yes. he said that Mayor De Blasio has blood on his hands, mm-hmm. and that and, for, ahead, for encouraging the protests. <laughs> what about the um? Um, how they said that we're the police are going into like a wartime state or something like that. I don't know if that that quote's actually been verified. Um, okay, but you know, it, it, frankly, everything that we've heard from police in reaction to this, and this same thing happened after Ferguson as well. Is well, you should just do exactly what we say, and it's like no, actually, that's what makes America America, right? Like it's the same problem we have anytime we do anything with the military, right? Where it's like, oh, well, you should just support the troops. It's basically shut up and support us or you're not American. And it's like, no, man, it's more complicated than that. 
Yeah. I can want the troops to be okay. And I can support them as individuals while still saying, you know what? They shouldn't even be there. Yep. Like I, I should, I shouldn't have to look at the president like he's hacksaw Jim, Jim Duggan. Oh, he's got the flag. He's waving it. Well, I guess I'm in. Oh, right. <laughs> like it's, it's more complicated than that. <laughs> Imagine Obama with the boots on, waving the flag. Tough guy. Yep. Nah, that's more Bush. I, I could I could see W doing that. I mean, he basically was a he was a wrestling character. Like, <laughs> so he was George. He George W. Bush was like Shane McMahon. So who was the? <laughs> we always have to have anytime I talk with Doc about wrestling. There's always like a Mean Street Posse reference. <laughs> Shout out to that beat you made sampling that. I should have rapped over that. That was an awful one. beat. Um, like, don't 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 do that. Don't make it sound like it was good. Shout it out was, to that beat. It, no, it was it was fu- it was an event. It was an event. It was an event. It was a movie. A zuvi. Um, zuvi. <laughs> there is no political equivalent to the Mean Street Posse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh. that needs to be on the that needs to be on the clock radio speakers um, bingo board as well. Oh, did we talk about the Mean Street Posse? Yes. What were we even talking about? Oh, the way that the police have are reacting to this right mm-hmm. it's the same way that people react to the military and um you know it's funny right when, in the history of what i would call mass media what i mean by that is the combination of tv newspapers magazines radio so really what you might consider the modern era of media basically from the 50s and onward right mm-hmm. i don't think it's any coincidence that that's the point at which people started really i want to say complaining but all of a sudden, going to war wasn't just rah, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's any coincidence at all because I'm sure there's always, there's, look, and we know this from history, right? There's always been shenanigans. There's sometimes, you know, some wars had really just loose reasons for even wanting to go. You know, the history of America is not as clean as it reads in a history book. The problem is, is that it was never documented this well. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, is that we all still grow up and we read about, you know, we we read about it as though something happened where all of a sudden it's like this narrative that that we try to say where all of a sudden we got to the 60s and people protested the Vietnam War and they protested for civil rights and then stuff in the cities went crazy and then there was a like we sort of try to make it sound like this cohesive storyline right but that's only because history is always written by the winners and if there's if if television isn't around to document it all then all you get is what the winners say happened. So we look back at World yeah, War Two and World War One and previous wars in this very, you know, they have a you got you got to put on your old glory glasses when you're reading this stuff. Like it's really like <laughs> America, ho! Like <laughs> absolutely, it's not that we got to the '60s and we became stupid. Absolutely, Good right? Point. Great point. So. But we as a society haven't really adjusted to this. So like we still sort of people get nostalgic for the good old days. You know, we still have this idea that. And so everybody's talking about the good old days. Everybody's talking about the good old days. So not only people get nostalgic for it, but what happens is, is that because we have media to document all this, our, our history, like we just this stuff is what can be dredged up easier right it's not like we have to go back and we have to rely on oh well my grandma was around and she can tell you like no no we have tons of documentation of what happened starting roughly in the late 50s early 60s and onward right yeah yeah so what we have now is you know we still have you know people there's always like a reaction to stuff right so people are like no look this is a problem this has been a problem for a long time like you can't like we are in the modern media age you can't rewrite history as much as you used to be able to there's still a lot of history rewriting going on believe me but it's not nearly as much as it used to be so then you get people who are like no we still have problems this is still like unacceptable and then there's always going to be an inverse reaction to that because there is this group of the population who really does see america through these rose tinted glasses you know they see america as this amazing thing and oh god if you know if only the hippies in the 60s had you know what if they would have just shut up we would have won vietnam and like this is like this alternative narrative of america that's out there that there are a bunch of people in this country who really believe in this alternative narrative and these are the same people who are saying well you got to support the cops and these are the same people who are saying oh well you know it's the the fact people who say they hate the cops you know they're they're just trying to start you know it's it's it really becomes like an us versus them thing and it's really more about like there's reality and then there's perception. It's not us versus them so much as it's there are a group of people 
who either because they've chosen to do this or because their position in the social structure of our society puts them in this place already. But there are a number of people who go, the world is not perfect. So how do we deal with it? Right. It's those people against the people who are like, well, my world's perfect. Right. Absolutely. Or, you know, uh, look. And think that and think that because their world is perfect, that like all the other stuff they are immune to. Because you I mean, you said earlier, you said that your life is pretty good. You, my, you have very little like, to complain about. I, However, realistically, I have so little to complain about. But you are still concerned about all. That's the difference is that you are still concerned with things that may not directly affect you, but still affect you. And some people have just shut that window and said, nope, my life's great. That's never going to touch me. That's for them. Right. And and here's the thing. So would you agree? I mean, you would agree that in America, it is just almost entirely universally accepted that, well, of course, we're capitalism or capitalist society. Like capitalism's the best, right? Oh, my God. Capitalism makes the world go round. Right. The only problem is that by its very definition, there are winners and there are losers in capitalists and capitalism, right? Not everybody can win. That's what socialism is, where everybody's the same. And then you have a continuum. You have a con- there's a continuum, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like in general, our society is built upon the foundation. Our American society is built upon the foundation that there are winners and there are losers. And for a very long time in this country, we were legally constructed so that basically black people were the losers. It was mm-hmm. just outright in the way this country worked. Mm-hmm. Then we had a civil war, and then we had a large portion of the country who, after the civil war, created a bunch of weird legal constructs so that essentially with few exceptions yeah black people are still the losers and then we had more and then we had more we had protests we had movements we had more protections put into place and so now it's that well poor people are the losers and because we have hundreds of years of racism built up in this country it's no accident that the people who are poor are overwhelmingly people of color. But regardless, there are winners and there are losers. And as long as you sit as long as you're okay with living in a capitalism as when living in a capitalist society, you can't get away from that. That is the intractable problem in our country. We idolize the rich. We idolize those who've made it and we blame those who haven't for their own fault, for their own problems. Mm, because it's, it's America. Be, because there's because we don't it's you know, right, because the people who've made it they don't want to sit there and go, well, you know, I'm pretty lucky. Like maybe I was born into a wealthy family or, you know, maybe I really did get lucky and I was the one out of a, a thousand or a million or whatever that made it from this particular situation. People don't want to hear that. Right. Absolutely. And so it's really just a fundamental, like, it's a, it's a stumbling block that I don't know if our country can get past, right? If we're going to be, ca- if we're going to be capitalists, which we are, the problem with going against capitalism is that I don't think... I don't think it's an accident that on the aggregate, it's better for our country, right? Capitalist, capitalist societies generally do better overall, but you're creating winners or losers. And then what you're then saying is, look, if we live in a capitalist society, we're going to have to create like government safeguards to make sure that we somehow, I want to say even the odds, but that we make it so that if you are a loser, quote unquote, in a capitalist society, it's, you're not losing. The, the loss doesn't sting so hard. Time, now that... I mean, to me, the real lesson of the aftermath of the 60s is that if it's no longer legally accepted that, well, people of color are just going to be the losers. Well, now what do you do? Mm -hmm. Any movement forward has to and any like progress forward has to address just the inequality that our country is built off of. Absolutely. And see, people will always have a backlash towards that. There will always be a backlash because if you're making things a little bit better for those who are on the very bottom, then by the definition, the people who are doing okay are going to have to give up a little bit. I can't see how that, I can't see that improving in our society. Yep. And I'm not, you know, this sounds like it's like everything's for naught. And I don't think everything is for naught. But I think that there are some small, I would say this, and then you should probably talk because I've been talking for like forever. Um, there are the these two big cases this year highlight short-term and long-term problems, right? There is a short-term problem with the way that policing works in this country. There is a long-term problem with the way that our country works in general. They are both problems. We should address the short-term problem first, but if we are lucky enough to address it, we shouldn't We shouldn't think that the problem is then solved. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Am I wrong? Nah, nah. <sighs> it's frustrating though, because like, I'm the, I have the kind of mentality where like, I want to like, 
I'm a I'm somebody who thinks that they like to fix things. Yeah. This is such a like I go round and round on this and it's like what if you can't fix it? Right. Or what if the fix takes so long that you can only see that it's being fixed on like a multi-decade time scale so that for six months, it looks like you've done nothing. But if you look at it over 30 years, well, you've made some progress. Absolutely. I think that that's, that's the only response. With this, this, is not a, this is not an easy fix. It's not an easy, it's embedded in our DNA. It's not an easy fix. It's going to take a while. And it's even something that we may just have to get our children prepared for because they may have to take up the mantle that we start and take it further because we may not finish the work in this generation. It's that deep. So do you think the protests will continue or do you think they'll eventually die out? This is my fear because we haven't even really talked about uh, the two cops. But, you know, my fear is that um, it will in turn turn violent because now the next time uh, that somebody gathers to protest, the cops are going to think, well, one of these yahoos could be out here with a gun ready to kill us. And on the flip, like you can't really blame them for that. Even though this was the action by this, these were actions by one guy who, you know, I read an article this morning. He's had he's had mental issues. He's had a history of, you know, mental problems and whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. So like I when I read about this guy to me. It's the same. It's a similar lesson to what we what happened in Newtown, Connecticut, when when Adam Lanza shot and killed all those kids. Like mm. it to me, this is a lesson of, hey, maybe we should really revisit this idea of guns being so prevalent in America, and maybe we should really be really serious about how we first of all how we treat people who have mental illnesses. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't. We just toss them aside. And then their access to guns. We should really get serious about that. But instead, it's become, oh, well, the Ferguson protesters, blah, 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 killed two cops. And it's like, no. Right. But you, you're afraid that the, the that this will be used as justification for things turning violent. Absolutely. That's my fear. And, you know, as disruptive as it's weird, like when you think about it, when you compare the two, you compare one guy shooting two off or not off duty, two cops um, to, you know, laying dead in a shopping mall. It's weird that laying dead in a shopping mall garnered such a reaction from people. If they're, if they are displaying signs like that in, in the mall, because people are are lying down (laughs) around people who are shopping and they're chanting and they're talking about, you know, capitalism and all that stuff. Like that's nuts. Like that, that's, that's nuts. Um, you know, corporations, have long relied on, you know, just tell me what I need, you know, uh, just fix it, doc. You know, tell me what's wrong with me. Give me the medicine. I'll take the medicine and I'll feel better. Uh, when it comes to our clothes, when it comes to what we need in our house, you know, the name brands that we're supposed to, you know, hold to a high, higher regard. And, you know, there's a populace of people who aren't doing that anymore, who, who they're not down with that. Um, so that was a 90s word down. For that. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I had to really stop myself from doing an OPP reference, but you know, <laughs> it was like, we're being serious right now. I thought you were doing, I thought you were going to do Degeneration next too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like there's a, there's a group of people who, who aren't, who are no longer standing for that. That no longer applies to them. Um, they don't need the Jordans every week. Um, they are essentially not saying that they're not going to buy anything, but you know, they're not going to feed into the, the, the monster of consumerism. And that alone is shaking things up. I, I've, I've always said, you know, your voice is powerful. Um, your presence is powerful. But when it comes to these corporations, the biggest thing you can do is turn your pockets inside out from them. Like turn them away, shut it down. Don't buy anything from these people. And then they're going to perk up. And especially now when this is the time they, they cash cow, they're relying on Christmas for us to go broke. You know, I really saw that when I worked, I, I worked part-time retail a few years ago and just the ways um, that corporations and stores would just make it to where you had, they had you buying stuff every week for Christmas, for Christmas. And Christmas, Christmas. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm weird. Um, we have to like no longer allow that to rule and dictate us. And I'm curious to see if that's going, if that ripple effect is going to grow, grow larger as well. You know, um, 
if there's other ways to protest besides saying hands up, don't shoot, and besides laying dead in the middle of a shopping mall, what what else can we do to say that we're we're not okay with this and we are going to take a stand and we are going to work to make a difference? What other ways can we, you know, display that? I think ultimately, as much as people want to say that the system doesn't work, and I don't doubt them for thinking that the system may not have worked for them in the past or may not work well, or maybe it still won't work. I think the only lesson is we, we all, like if you feel passionate about something, you should get involved. Like I appreciate, like I totally understand why people protest. It is in some ways, it is an incredibly effective way to garner attention for a cause. Protest isn't going to pass a new bill. A, a protest isn't going to stop the influence of money in politics. Like a protest isn't going to accomplish those things. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have, you know, you, you have to use the system as messed up as it is. It's not perfect, but you know what it is? And we can end on this if you, unless you got more to talk about, but we can keep going. But like, keep going H when I, you know, I worked for the state of Connecticut for a long time. And one of the skills I use, I, I, I learned while working there is how to navigate the bureaucracy mm-hmm. and how to get like, oh, I got to go talk to this person who then will like tell this person on the sly. And then I can go talk to that to that other person, and then my thing will get done. Otherwise, it'll sit on someone's desk for five weeks. Mm-hmm. It's it's a kind of and when you stand back, it's a stupid lesson to learn. But like when I got to my new job, I joked, "Man, I've got all these like political and like bureaucratic skills that aren't going to do me any good anymore." And mm-hmm. I think that I think that says you know I think that government works the same way. I think that there's as much as we hate it. Like we can sit here and try to just and try to fix the system, or you could try to use it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, we we can and believe me, I can't stand the influence that money has in politics. It's astonishing what we've the monster we've created in this world. Use that monster. Like if that's what it, if that's what we're talking about, okay. Then we figure out. Okay. Well, we need this many lobbyists to counteract their lobbyists. Like I I don't think there. I'll say this, it's so tempting to want to take the moral high ground and to say, well, we're not doing that because that's wrong, so we want to fix the system. Right. You could you could rage and protest for years trying to fix a system, or you could use it to solve a problem. I'm not saying you shouldn't try to fix a system, but you should also try to solve problems. Right. And so I, I think that's what we, you know, I say we, I mean, like, collectively, like, if you care about where this country is, if you care about what, you know, what is not happening or what is happening, you have to get involved. That's Yep. That's all I got to say. Um, I got one more question for you. I asked you this when we talked about Ferguson, and I'll ask you now. Because you sort of alluded to this a little bit. Justice look like right now for these protesters? Oh, Jesus. <sighs> Do we know? Is it, just, is it just people are mad and they want to say it? I think they want to see, I think they want to see revenge. Not everybody. Okay. But I think there's a large call of, of, of revenge. Um, ah. I sort of sprung that on you. Um, you did. Um, so let me ask you this then. So if you think people really do want revenge, so then I, I th- are the are the are the police unions justified in saying the protests caused these two murders? No, no, because we have evidence. We have evidence that shows that he used the themes of the protests to accomplish his own agenda. Nobody right. said, you know put wings on pigs in the protests. Nobody said kill all cops. You know what I'm saying? So you, he, he manipulated and slightly turned the focus of the protest into his, what he thought he was supposed to do. Now it's not right, but on the flip, I can understand why cops would do that. I can totally understand again, why in future protests, they might be a little heavier out in these streets because they don't want that to happen. I wouldn't be surprised. And I wouldn't even think that was unfair. I would think that was messed up. That's foul. But I would get it. Because now somebody has, has... It's like, you've killed one of ours and now we're killing one of yours. Like, oh, that's the game we're playing? Ain't no bigger game than the cops. So I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I think what people are looking for, people want these people to be brought to justice. And by brought to justice, I mean, you know... They want to see them in jail or they want to see them dead and they want to see some sort of retribution for what they did to these kids and to these people. You know what I'm saying? But what are they? They're not going to get it. So now what? That's the bigger question. Mm, So assuming that they aren't, that they don't get justice, do these protests then evolve? Evolve into what? A larger political movement. Or is it just when people forget about this, it dies down and then we wait for the next outrage. I know that's harsh, but that's the fear, right? You know, 
I don't think this dies. Okay. We talked about this when Mike Brown first happened. Um, because when Trayvon happened, it it got it picked up a little steam and then it died. Um, with um, was it Troy Davis picked up a little steam and then it died. Uh, now this isn't gonna die. This is a huge turning point in our country. It's not gonna die. It it hopefully will. Ev- now that you've put it in that context, I understand what you're saying. Um, it it should evolve. Will it evolve? We 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 can only hope, and we'll see what happens. What you know, excuse me, the large populace of people are going to do. But it's such a such a heavy thing because one answer cannot represent the entire populace. Like, what should we do next? Oh, we should go here. Nah, that might not work where you are. Like you said, you know, the the politicians in in your city and in your state um, may not be accessible like they are in mine, vice versa. So like, there might have to be a different way to go about to get them. So I, I don't know, man. That's a heavy question, dude. Maybe that's something we maybe that's something we ask uh, our audience. Right, I think that's a good one. You know, I think that, and I don't want to be critical of the of this. You know, I guess which I don't even what do, what do you even call what's going on right now? Is it the Black Lives Matter movement? Is it the it's right now? It feels like a reaction, and I don't I don't begrudge people that reaction. I feel like, you know, I feel like there's an opportunity to to make sure that we don't just do this every time something awful happens. I feel like there's an opportunity to make sure you know we have a dot we have a we all sort of have a conversation about. Well, no, there are things that have led to this, small and big. And so it should be the, you know, if, if you're, look, if, if you're unhappy about what has happened in in Ferguson and in Staten Island in New York, and not just on the level of, well, somebody died and they shouldn't have. But if you're, if you're unhappy because you recognize that, that what has happened is part of a larger systemic problem, then we should be having a conversation about what we can do to fix that. Mm-hmm. And, and who do we, t- and, and how do we, what does that look like in terms of a, a law or policy who do, what do we need to advocate for so that right. you because you said it before people are very powerful man protesting is power mm-hmm. but right now it's it's it feels it's just it's rage i don't say that in a bad way it's <sighs> people are fed up but i don't think we've had i don't think there has yet been anybody or any group of people who have really sort of focalized that you know sort of focused that emotional reaction into something concrete that you could go like you said in the example you can't just go knock on the door and talk to Obama. Let me let me bring this totally full full circle to the to what happened in the 60s with the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King Jr. had a direct line to President Johnson. He could go knock on the president's door. It's a, it's, yeah, it was a this is a different time though. It was a different time, but I think the problem is is this effort is powerful, but it's it's amorphous. You know, there's no it, people don't know what it means. You know, so in some ways that can make it more powerful because it could mean different things to different people. But at the same time, it also means that I don't know what is going to get done as a result of it. It's clear that people are unhappy. It's not clear what they want done. It's almost like it. If 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 then if we're not careful, we could be doing a lot of busy work. So I, you know, I would I would just end this by by I want to say challenging, but yeah, I want to challenge our listeners. Like if you care, if you've been listening to this. First of all, thank you. But secondly, like have the conversation with us. Let us know like what what do you think should we should should be happening as a result of this? Like what what would you like to see done? What, you know, do you think do you think we're getting there? Do you think we're we're just sort of flailing in the wind? Do you think people are mad? Do you think there is a thing? Maybe there is sort of a a focus point to what people are asking for, and I I don't know it yet. And maybe I'm ignorant of that. But it, what you see over and over again is it's funny. It's really this so core fundamental thing, right? It's like people like who want to rise up and say, literally, like 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 the hashtag says, "Black Lives Matter," right? The fact that people have to protest that is is depressing. But it's like, okay, Black Lives Matter. So what do we? What can we do to ensure that legally and like just the way that government and society works that that isn't just accepted as something, yes, of course we should do, but that there are protections in place to ensure that this doesn't happen again. Because I don't want this just to be a bunch of people taking the moral high ground and saying, well, Black Lives Matter, so let's support for it. Let, let's go march or let's say at a, at a, when we have a conversation with somebody, let's let's say it when we tweet on, on we tweet or post on Facebook that we use the hashtag. It's like, like I, I, I'm glad that people agree that Black Lives Matter. But if our current society has a setup where apparently black lives, the, the notion of black lives mattering is up for debate or isn't as protected as it should be. How do we fix that? Anything else you want to say, man? Good. So thank you everybody for listening. Um, you can find this. If, <laughs> hopefully you found this episode on fourthdistrict.com and uh, you might've also found it on our SoundCloud. Either way, we've done a couple episodes 
talking about really the the problems with police brutality this year. We did a number of episodes on Ferguson. Um, I think this is our first time really talking about the Eric Garner situation, but you know, we appreciate y'all listening. Use the hashtag Clack Ready Speakers. Let us know what you think. Follow us both on Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter. Visit ClackReadySpeakers.com. Rate and review us on iTunes if you can. Um, we sometimes ask, we sometimes mention this, but like really, like if you appreciate what we're talking about and if you want more people to hear it, the best way to do that is to one, share episodes and then two, rate and review on iTunes. So we, we thank everybody who's listened to us in 2014. This is probably our last is this our last episode of the year? This is it, son. We taking next week off to to gear up for our year in top ten. Don't <laughs> top whatever the album of the year. I'm already like I'm just saying these titles because I'm just saying we're not gonna. It's just not gonna happen. Our year in review. Year in review. As you called it. Um, no, don't give it away yet. Don't give oh. it away yet. It's gonna okay. be the title of that episode. Give it, give it away. Give it away now. My bad. My bad. My bad. It's all good. So yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to take a week off. We're going to uh, revisit the year musically. Um, and we're going to come back after the new year and uh, give you guys a recap and a bunch of stuff. We got some good stuff planned for the, the, the year in episode. So enjoy your families. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Quasi Kwanzaa. Happy New Year. All that beautiful stuff. And uh, we'll see you guys in two weeks.